Welcome to the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, where every death had a life and every life had a story. My name is Jenny Johnson. Hello, and I'm Diane Hartshorn. It's officially December. Can you believe it? And that means for many people, a month-long celebration of winter festivities as we approach the end of another year. One of those celebrations is, of course, Christmas. I love Christmas almost as much as Halloween. The best part about Christmas for me, though, is the way it can help to bring out the best in people. As Fred Scrooge says, but I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time when it comes round, apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin, if anything belonging to it can be apart from that, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. Jenny, isn't that a quote from A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens? It sure is. A Christmas Carol happens to be my all-time favorite Christmas story ever written, and it is the inspiration for this week's episode. Sort of. We will start by visiting Emmanuel Cemetery in Bellows Falls, Vermont. In just a moment, I will tell you what this cemetery has in common with Dickens's most famous Christmas story. But first, Diane, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about this ordinary, extraordinary cemetery? Emmanuel Cemetery is next door to Emmanuel Episcopal Church. It is sometimes referred to as Emmanuel Episcopal Church Cemetery. The church itself was founded in 1816 and was originally a wooden structure. According to the church's website, Emmanuel Episcopal Church was designed by one of America's best-known Gothic Revival architects, Richard M. Upjohn. The wheelchair-accessible building is a perfect example of the French country Gothic style of about the 14th century. The fish-scale roof with multi-colored bands of slate is typical of the Victorian Gothic style of architecture. Among the building's notable features is the buttressed and pinnacled bell tower, surmounted by an octagonal lantern. In the tower hangs a Paul Revere bell, which hung in the original 1817 church. The present granite church was completed in 1867 to replace that wooden structure. Points of interest within the church are the rose window that faces west to capture the setting sun. Oh, I bet that's lovely. Carved angels at the top of the main columns and the shields of apostles and evangelists on the high arches. It appears that the first burials in the cemetery began in 1818. Although I will point out we're kind of guessing on that because we couldn't find a lot of documentation for it. It is in essence a true churchyard of its time with rectangular and rounded headstones. There are also several crosses of the plain variety as well as Celtic crosses. There are no statues, but there are several tall obelisk monuments marking graves from the late 1800s into the first part of the 1900s. The most recent burial took place in June of 2019. Among those buried here are brothers Edwin H. and Charles B. Stoughton, both who served as generals in the American Civil War. Buried beneath the tall stone obelisk is Edward Henry Green, born February 6, 1821, died March 19, 1902 and his wife, Hetty H.R. Green, born November 21, 1834, 
died July 3rd, 1916. It is Hetty's story that we will be sharing with you today. But first, a bit more from Mr. Charles Dickens and the ill-tempered character he created called Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, retching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out. Generous fire, secret and self-contained, and solitary as an oyster. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say, with gladsome looks, Dear Mr. Scrooge, how are you? When will you come see me? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what it was o'clock. No man or woman ever once in all his life inquired the way in such a place of Scrooge. But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked, to edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. The tale of Ebenezer Scrooge is that of a selfish, lonely old miser that must learn to change his ways or spend his afterlife in misery and despair. Through the course of his story, he is taught how to love and laugh again with the help of three ghosts, the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future. And now I am sure you are wondering what this has to do with Hetty Green. Hetty Green, also known as the Witch of Wall Street, is often remembered historically as a miser and woman who cared only about money. Her story parallels that of the fictional Ebenezer Scrooge in many ways, although I don't think she ever had dealings with the spirits of Christmas. Hetty was born Henrietta Howland Robinson to Quakers Edward Mott Robinson and his wife Abigail Howland on November 21st, 1834. She grew up as an only child in a very wealthy household. Her mother was an heiress to a shipping and whaling fortune, and her father was a well-to-do businessman. Some sources claim that she read the financial papers to her father as his eyesight was failing. Other sources claim it was her maternal grandfather who had her reading the financial papers. Either way, at a very young age, she learned how the world of finance worked. For Hetty's 20th birthday, her father bought her a brand new wardrobe of sumptuous dresses in hopes that she would be attending function where she might meet her future husband. It seems, however, that Hetty was not worried about marrying a rich man to take care of her for the rest of her life. She was more willing to take care of herself. She sold the new wardrobe and used the money to invest in government bonds. In 1864, her father passed away, leaving Hetty an inheritance of $7.5 million. Hetty was also expecting a sizable inheritance from her aunt Sylvia. However, she received a shock when her aunt passed away and did not leave her the expected fortune. Hetty challenged the will in a very public court battle and unfortunately lost. By all accounts, she was obsessed with gaining access to that money. Here we will pause once again and return to Scrooge's life for just a moment. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a mourning dress, in whose eyes there were tears, which sparkled in the light that shone out of the ghost of Christmas past. It matters little, she said softly. To you, very little. Another idol has displaced me. And if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? He rejoined, 
a golden one. This is the even-handed dealing of the world, he said. There is nothing on which it is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much, she answered gently. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion, gain, engrosses you. Have I not? The memory of what is past half makes me hope you will have pain in this. A very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream from which it happened well that you awoke. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. She left him, and they parted. In 1867, Hetty married a wealthy man named Edward Henry Green. It was a very unusual move for the time period, especially for a woman. Hetty refused to marry Edward unless he signed a prenuptial agreement. She knew that Edward had spent the last 20 years living in the Philippines in a very lavish fashion, and she was unwilling to support that lifestyle once he ran out of his own money. After they married, they had two children, a son called Ned and a daughter named Sylvia. Edward had made his money as a tea and silk merchant. He enjoyed going to clubs, wearing the finest clothing, and enjoyed a life of wealth and privilege. When their children were still young, Edward had squandered most of his fortune, causing a rift in their marriage. Edward and Hetty separated for a time. Hetty never felt the need to live in a lavish mansion and moved her children into middle-class housing in New York. She had an office at the chemical bank where she worked to invest in real estate and the stock market. Hetty Green didn't buy stocks on margin. She invested in real estate and bonds, railroads and mines. She bought cheap, sold high, and kept her head during financial panics. In 1907, she bailed out the city of New York when the banks wouldn't. <laughs> Due to her wealth and connections, Hetty was a favorite target for the press. In the papers, she was often depicted as a cold-hearted skinflint. One popular story at the time claimed that Hetty was so bent on not spending money on medical needs that she allowed her son to lose a leg after a sledding accident. This apparently is far from the truth. Hetty took her son to many doctors, but the injury was such that the leg could not be saved. Other stories claimed that she never turned on the heat or used hot water. She wore one black dress and undergarments that she changed only after they had been worn out. She did not wash her hands, and she rode in an old carriage. She ate mostly pies that cost 15 cents. One tale claims that Green spent half a night searching her carriage for a lost stamp worth all of two cents. Another asserts that she instructed her laundress to wash only the dirtiest parts of her dresses, the hems, to save money on soap. According to the New England Historical Society website, Perhaps her greatest sin in the eyes of the world was living her life boldly and on her own terms. People weren't used to a woman who carried a gun and used salty language picked up on the New Bedford docks, nor were they used to a woman who managed her investments spectacularly well at a time when women weren't trusted with money. Here's another small comparison to be made between Hetty and Ebenezer Scrooge. But soon the steeples called good people all to church and chapel, 
and away they came flocking through the streets in their best clothes with their gayest faces. And at the same time, there emerged from scores of by streets, lanes, and nameless turnings, innumerable people carrying their dinners to the baker's shops. The sight of these poor revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much, for he stood, with Scrooge beside him, in a baker's doorway, and taking off the covers as their bearers passed, sprinkled incense on their dinners from his torch. Is there a peculiar flavor in what you sprinkle from your torch? asked Scrooge. There is. My own. Would it apply to any kind of dinner on this day? asked Scrooge. To any kindly given. To a poor one most. Why to a poor one most? asked Scrooge. Because it needs it most. It is true that Hetty was very unwilling to part with money or spend it in ways she deemed unnecessary. However, for the vast majority of her life, Hetty Green was a Quaker. This means her moral compass was guided by the principles of integrity, equality, simplicity, community, and stewardship of the earth, and of course, peace. Hetty often did many works of charity that went unnoticed, and that was okay with her. She was not one to flaunt her good deeds, but did them because she knew they needed to be done. She loaned money at below market rates to at least 30 churches. According to her son, she secretly gave many gifts to charitable causes and supported at least 30 families with regular incomes. Hetty also supported the trolley workers who went on strike in 1895. In an interview with a reporter at the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, she said, The poor have no chance in this country. No wonder anarchists and socialists are so numerous. The law must be upheld, must it? Then why don't they begin at the right end? Who begins to break the law? The great railroad magnates. Let the poor man break the law and see how soon he gets jailed. Of course, it was comments like these that made her unpopular among the men of power at the time. Collis P. Huntington, the man who built the Central Pacific Railroad and personal enemy of Hetty, called her nothing more than a glorified pawnbroker. The press was ruthless when reporting on Hetty. She was often featured in political cartoons of the times, and of course, she was given the nickname the Witch of Wall Street. According to Smithsonian Magazine, a big difference between her and others such as Carnegie and Rockefeller is that she wasn't an industrialist. Her sole business was investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds. That might go some way to explain why she didn't leave a legacy of her name as her male peers did. Hetty and Edward remained separated for many years, but at some point later in their lives, they did reunite. In fact, Hetty nursed Edward through his last year of life and was with him when he passed away on March 19, 1902. By 1905, Hetty Green was New York's largest lender. In 1909, her daughter Sylvia married Matthew Astor Wilkes, one of the heirs to the Astor fortune. In order for him to marry her daughter, Wilkes had to prove that he had his own fortune of $2 million and that he would not rely on the money Sylvia brought into the marriage. Just as she had done with her own marriage, she convinced Wilkes to sign a prenuptial agreement stating that he would not inherit any of Sylvia's money. And now, a brief pause as we turn to Scrooge's world. If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, said Scrooge, quite agonized, show that person to me, spirit. 
I beseech you. The phantom appeared, its dark robes before him for a moment, like a wing, and withdrawing it, revealed a room by daylight where a mother and her children were. She was expecting someone, and with an anxious eagerness, at length the long-expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed, though he was young. Is it good, she said, or bad to help him? Bad, he answered. We are quite ruined. No, there is hope yet, Carolyn. If he relents, she said, amazed, there is. Nothing is past hope. If such a miracle has happened. He has past relenting, said her husband. He is dead. She was a mild and patient creature, if her face spoke truth. But she was thankful in her soul to hear it. And she said so with clasped hands. She prayed forgiveness the next moment and was sorry, but the first was the emotion of her heart. Hetty Green died at the age of 82 on July 3rd, 1916. The New York Times reported that her cause of death was due to a series of strokes. She was living with her son at the time. Sometime in the 11 years after her husband died and before she passed away, she had converted to the Episcopal Church. This allowed her to be buried next to her husband at the Emanuel Cemetery in Bellows Falls, Vermont. The majority of her estate was left to her children, although portions of it were bequeathed to a few close friends and charities. While Hetty may have hoarded her money, her children enjoyed their inheritance and weren't as afraid to spend some of their money. However, thanks to many of their mother's thrifty ways, they were able to live through the Great Depression comfortably and not succumbed to losing their entire fortunes, as many others did at that time. Ned was an accomplished collector with interest in everything from auto racing to science to horticulture. After his death, his sister Sylvia, as heir, donated his Round Hill, Massachusetts estate in 1948 to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, as we know as MIT, which used the property for experimentation. Sylvia died in 1951, leaving an estimated $200 million and donating it to 64 colleges, churches, hospitals, and other charities. Neither Ned nor Sylvia had children. Another parallel between Scrooge and Hetty. He had not gone far when coming on toward him, he beheld the portly gentleman who had walked into his counting house the day before and said, Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. It sent a pang across his heart to think how this old gentleman would look upon him when they met, but he knew what path lay straight before him and he took it. My dear sir, said Scrooge, quickening his pace and taking the old gentleman by both hands. How do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you. A Merry Christmas to you, sir. Mr. Scrooge? Yes, said Scrooge, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and will you have the goodness? Here Scrooge whispered in his ear. Lord bless me, cried the gentleman, as if his breath were taken away. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, said Scrooge, not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. He became as good a friend, as good a master, 
and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Just like Ebenezer Scrooge, Hetty Green hoarded her money and hated to waste it. But also like Ebenezer Scrooge, she realized the importance of caring for her community, especially for those who were not as fortunate as herself. Upon her death, Hetty was known as the wizard of finance and the richest woman in America. She may very well have been the richest woman in the world. Her Quaker upbringing taught her that a gift to be bragged about is not a gift in the eyes of the Lord. She said once, my early training disciplined me towards pomp and show. My family has been wealthy for five generations. We need make no display to ensure recognition of our position. Hetty Green was a woman who lived life on her own terms and did not care what anyone else thought about her. In a time when white women still weren't even legally considered full people and were expected to align themselves with their homes and families, Green had other priorities. We thought it would be fun to end this episode with a few of Hetty's memorable quotes. And if you want to know even more of them, just Google Hetty Green's quotes. There are tons of them. The first one is, railroads and real estate are the things I like. Before deciding on an investment, I seek out every kind of information about it. A bird in the hand is worth the whole arithmetic in the bush. I always try to deal justly with everyone. But if anyone wants to fight me, I'll give him all the fight he wants. And I bet she did. (laughs) American women would be much happier if they learned the principles of business in girlhood. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Why is a lawyer like a man who is restless in bed? Because both lie first on one side, then on the other. And finally, never speculate in Wall Street. Eat slowly. Do not stay up all night. Don't drink ice water. And keep out of drafts. Thank you once again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode with a little bit of holiday spirit mixed in. And we look forward to next week when we will once again compare a real-life person to beloved holiday classic. We would be very grateful if you leave us a positive review on Apple Podcast or on our website at www.ordinaryextraordinarycemetery.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, all one word, no punctuation, or on Twitter at O-R-D-E-X-T-R-A-C-E-M. I would also like to remind you that we still have Evergreen Heritage Cemetery calendars available. They will make fabulous Christmas gifts or even a gift for yourself. You can find a link to order at the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery website or by going to www.evergreenheritagecs.com. Dot com, and click on the post called Evergreen Heritage 2021 Calendar. To ensure that you receive your calendar by January, please order by December 6th. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Until we meet again. Mm-hmm.